Good morning, everyone. Is everybody okay? Good. Good morning to members in the church as well. Can they see me? Can you see me? Say yes. Oh, I can hear you. Yeah, yeah. I can hear you. It's good to be able to spend the morning with you today. First of all, thank you, Pastor Anthony, who is away on retreat, and the church leadership for giving me this opportunity to share God's Word with all of you this morning. It is good to see all of you in church. I'm excited to be here to share with you what God has placed on my heart. A quick introduction of myself for some of you who may be seeing me for the first time. My name is Louis. I have been in this church for a few years, or quite a number of years. I serve mainly in the cell and worship ministries. I have a passion for continuous learning, and I'm always looking for ways to deepen my knowledge of God. So to share my faith journey with the church, in this coming July, I'll be commencing my studies at TTC again. Not that I failed the last time. I graduated successfully. The last time was a broad generic degree, theological degree, and this time I'll be studying with a certain specialization in mind. As I always will say, I have three children and all from one world-class wife. And this is the latest photo, family photo, which we took just last month. Is it on the screen? Okay, enough for self-introduction. For this morning, we will be continuing our sermon series on the book of Joshua. If you were here last week for Good Friday and Easter, you would have heard Pastor Anthony sharing from Joshua chapter 7 and 8 on the defeat and victory of AI, yes, or I, right, respectively. Today, we will continue to move forward in our journey with Joshua and the people of Israel as they continue their conquest of the promised land which God had given to them. This morning, we will look at Joshua chapter 10, where the next significant battle was recorded, the battle at Gibeon. And I trust that God will speak to each and every one of us as we reflect on God's Word today. The text reference is taken from Joshua chapter 10, and we will be looking at verses 5 to 14, reading from NIV. Okay, if you have it there with me ready, with it on the screen, let's go. Verse 5. Then the five kings of the Amorites, the kings of Jerusalem, Hebron, Jamuth, Lachish, and Eglon, joined forces. They moved up with all their troops and took up positions against Gibeon and attacked it. Verse 6. The Gibeonites then sent word to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal, Do not abandon your servants. Come up to us quickly and save us. Help us because all the Amorite kings from the hill country have joined forces against us. And note for background, Israel and Gibeon are on the same side because of an alliance treaty which they had signed earlier. And you can read the details in chapter 9. So Joshua marched up from Gilgal, with his entire army, including all the best fighting men. Verse 8, The Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. And after an all-night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise. The Lord threw them into confusion before Israel. So Joshua and the Israelites defeated them completely at Gibeon. Israel pursued them along the road going up to Beth Horon and cut them down all the way to Aska and Makita. As they fled from Israel on the road down from Beth Horon to Aska, 
The Lord hurled large hailstones down on them, and more of them died with this from the hill than were killed by the swords of the Israelites. Can you believe it? And heaven ends. Sorry, heaven ends. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, Sun, stand still over Gibeon, and you, moon, over the valley of Aijalon. So the sun stood still, the moon stopped, till the nation avenged itself on its enemies, as it is written in the book of Joshua. The sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. There has never been a day like it before or since, a day when the Lord listened to a human being. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. So God, we want to thank you for this morning that we can come together to reflect on your word. We ask that your kingdom to be established, your will to be done, your voice to be heard, your spirit to be moving amongst us, your glory to be seen, and your presence to be felt in our midst, O Lord. We pray all this and commit this time to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And as we go along, do keep the scripture text hard copy or soft as we will be referring to it frequently. Following last week's sermon on the defeat and victory of AI, I tried to align grammatically by titling today's sermon as the victory at Gibeon. But if you prefer a more cool or catchy title, it will be Sun Stand Still. To caveat, I must let you know that today's sermon is the longest I've ever prepared. So do your best to try to stay with me. Okay, I can see a few worried faces. Yes, in case I can't finish my sermon on time this morning, I'll be attempting the same prayer that Joshua did. Sun, stand still. And we'll be here all day until I finish the sermon. Don't worry, you won't be late. The time will just stop, alright, for your lunch appointment. Jokes aside, have you ever been in situations where you hear testimonies of God working so powerfully and miraculously in another person's life that you secretly hope in your heart that God can do the same thing for you in your life? Or maybe you read of testimonies in books of how God had done humanly impossible things in other people's lives, and you wonder if God can do the same for you in your own life. For those of us who were here last Sunday for Easter healing service, you would have seen how God had moved in such a powerful way. He healed some of our brothers and sisters, seated right back at church miraculously, and had done some seemingly impossible things right here in the midst of us. Maybe by a show of hands, you know, we have no heart service last week. How many of you were there at church last week for Easter service and you were touched by God for the healing? You know, anyone? Yes, yes, come on, give thanks to God. Amen, we see a few hands. Praise the Lord. And I'm sure there are a few hands, or at least a few hands raised up in church and we want to give God the glory. I was there at 10.30 service in church and if you were with me, we heard of how one of our brothers gave testimony of how God had healed him in his health. And when he responded to the altar call for prayer last Sunday, 
we heard how God has restored his vision and allowed our brother to see much better instantaneously. As I was listening to the brother's testimony back at church last Sunday, I was giving glory to God in my heart. And at the same time, so full of awe, you know, that our God is indeed a God of miracles and He is still in the business of doing impossible things. Amen. Pastor Anthony also shared with me a testimony of how God healed one of our members of her bad cough when she was just accompanying her friend up during altar call for prayer and praying for her friend. When I read that testimony, it was like, wow, God really knows and cares for our needs, you know. Even though the church member was praying for her friend and not for herself, God healed her and met her needs. Praise the Lord. Another testimony forwarded to me from the prayer ministry was about a church member who was experiencing pain on her left shoulder for some time. She has not been very keen to go for treatment and has been praying for God to heal her. Last Sunday at the healing service, when Pastor released the prophetic word that one of the prayer needs was for healing of pain on the left shoulder, she took it as a sign from God to go up for prayer. And after she was prayed for, she shared that she rotated her left shoulder and the pain was completely gone. Amen. Praise the Lord. A miracle from God. This morning, I want to say to all of us that our God is an almighty God. And He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hear me clearly. And if He can do impossible things for others, He can do it for you. And if He can work miracles in the past, He can do it again today. So don't ever think that God can only do it for others. He can only do it for Joshua in those times. He can only do it in the past. But I want to let you know that God can still work miracles in each and every one of our lives today. The question is, what does it take to live a life that God can actively work in? What does it take for us so that our so that God's work and power can be clearly displayed in our lives. The text which we are looking at today demonstrates God's hand clearly at work in miraculous and humanly impossible ways through Joshua's victory at Gibeon. This account also contains the one and only recorded miracle in the Word of God of how God answered the prayer of a human and stopped the sun from moving for almost a day. Wow! In the next few moments together, we are going to reflect on this passage, draw a few principles that can guide our lives so that we can live a life that God can actively work in and display His work and power in our lives. First of all, to understand the context, the passage which we have read is an account of Joshua's victory at Gibeon. It is one of the several accounts of how God was with Joshua and Israel and how God had given victory to Israel city after city as part of their conquest of the promised land. So if you are familiar with Joshua, earlier victories will include victory over the city of Jericho, the victory over the city of Ai, which we heard last weekend. In this particular battle at Gibeon, the Bible provides several evidence of God actively at work for Joshua and his army 
as they fought the Amorites at Gibeon and claimed victory over the enemies. Firstly, Joshua's one army was able to defeat a combined five-kingdom army of the Amorites. Verse 5 tells us that the five kings of the Amorites, they joined forces, they moved up their troops, moved all their troops and took up positions against Gibeon and attacked it. That means for Joshua's army, it is a minimum odds of one is to five. And yet Joshua and his army were able to defeat them. Second, Joshua's army was able to fight and win the battle despite an all-night march. God confused the enemies. You know, verse 9 and verse 10, if you are following me on the, on the text, after an all-night march from Gilgal, Joshua's army took them by surprise. And the Lord threw them into confusion before Israel, and Joshua and the Israelites defeated them completely at Gibeon. According to the commentaries, the march from Gilgal to Gibeon involved a climb of 1,000 meters and over a distance of 32 kilometers. For info, our Bukatima Hill is only about 163 meters above ground. So it means Joshua and his army had climbed Bukatima Hill six times over at least, Walk a distance from hub to twas. I use the online distance app, ah. Okay, 22 kilometers. And then after that, fought an army five times their size and defeated them. The longest march I did in army was 24 kilometers. And trust me, all I wanted to do after the 24 kilometers road march was to go and bathe and sleep. I definitely cannot even fight one mosquito. It was clearly evident that God was actively at work in Joshua for Joshua and his army. And it was God who gave Joshua's army that supernatural strength to fight and defeat the, um, the enemies. Thirdly, Joshua's army was able to pursue and continue to destroy the enemies as they retreated. Verse 10 tells us that. Israel pursued them, the Amorites, along the road and all the way, you know, defeating them. Number four, not only that, God sent large hailstones to defeat the Amorites and the hailstones killed more enemies than the number of enemies the Israelites had killed. Whoa! Verse 11 tells us that. You know, most of us, if not all of us, would have already concluded that at this point, that, okay, okay, Louis, I get it. God is actively at work in Joshua's fight over the Amorites and granting him victory at Gibeon, right? Convinced? Yes? But to top it all up, Joshua asked God for an out-of-the-world request. He asked God to stop the sun from moving. Sun! Stand still. If I was a soldier in Joshua's army, I would have told my buddy beside me that our leader Joshua today, wow, on top forms, yeah, top form. He make us walk through the night, but we don't feel tired. The enemies five times more than us. We can defeat them easily. 
when, the, when they defeat, we still have energy to pursue and destroy them. And somehow got big stones falling from the sky to help us. Now, he still asks God for time extension so that we can thoroughly destroy our enemies. Wow, Piang. Right? God did exactly what Joshua had asked. Verse 12 and 13 tells us that on the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel's son, Stand still! And the sun stood still. God stopped the sun and gave sufficient time for Joshua to defeat the enemies thoroughly. God is indeed actively at work for Joshua and his army as they fought the Amorites at Gibeon and claimed victory over their enemies. Can you say amen? Amen. At this point, I just want to take a few moments to reach out to some of us who are more intellectually wired. Huh? Some people here are intellectually wired. Because we would be very much intrigued by this powerful and miraculous sun-stopping sign of God. Some would ask if the sun really stopped. Is this scripture meant to be interpreted literally or figuratively? Because of time, we can't go into the details, but my brief answer is that we must remember that nothing is impossible with God. If He can make the lame walk, the blind see, the deaf hear, and all creation, including the sun and the moon and all universe, submits to His authority, then there is nothing that He cannot do. There is nothing that He cannot use. There is nothing that he cannot work through. In fact, if you are interested in God's uh, sun usage, uh, sun usage, you can note the reference in 2 Kings 20, 2 Kings 20, right now, which God did something similar, but not exactly the same, where God moved the sun backwards by 10 degrees to show a sign to Hezekiah. And that is a sermon for another day, uh. Usually, I try to do that so that I'll be invited back. Okay? Uh, we want to take that uh, another day if you want me. Okay? For this particular sign, many Bible scholars would hold the view that the earth actually stopped rotating for about 24 hours. There are alternate explanations, but they do not sufficiently justify to the language of the text. It is clear from the text that some sign did occur in the heavens. The entire passage is written as a narrative of a miraculous event that actually happened. The final statement in verse 13, if you are following me, writes that the sun stopped in the middle of the sky, delayed going down for about a full day. So clearly, it favours the notion that the sun stood still. Hence, most scholars would hold the traditional view that the sun did literally stop moving. Coming back, the text today clearly shows that God was working actively through miraculous and humanly impossible ways in Joshua's victory at Gibeon, including sun, stand. Yeah, right. I can try this with 10.30, yeah? And if he can do impossible things for Joshua in Bible times, and if he can work miracles in the lives of our members today from the testimonies I shared last week, 
He can do it for you. Amen. And I just want to take the remaining time we have this morning to share with us three principles of how we can allow God to work actively in our lives. The first principle to allowing God to work actively in our lives is we need to get on God's side. Verse 8 tells us that the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hands. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. God was clearly on the side of Joshua and his army, right? Getting on God's side means to acknowledge God as Lord over our lives, the Lord over the situations of our lives, and that we want Him to work actively in. Recently, in my personal Bible study, I was reading the Old Testament book of Esther. And if you ever read the book of Esther, you will realize that it is a narrative story about Esther and how God's people were saved from destruction. The book of Esther has no mention of God at all. You can do a control F uh, on the word God in the book of Esther, and you will have nail returns. It is purely a narrative story of a series of coincidental events showing how Esther was able to be at the right place, at the right time, to help save the people of God from destruction. As I was reading the commentaries on Esther, one scholar noted that it is interesting that we are called to study theology or study about God in the book of Esther when there is totally no mention of God. How to study? The Bible then wrote that perhaps God's fingerprints were so evident in the series of coincidental events in the book of Esther that it was not necessary to mention God when it was so obvious that God was there already. Wow, when I read this, I was like, my blown and wow, what talking you, man? So happened in that season of my life, I also participated in one of my workplace uh, healthy lifestyle events. We went for a 7-kilometer walk at MacRitchie Reservoir. During the event, I wanted to exercise more, so I jogged ahead of the main group. Uh, they can walk, I jog. Okay. When I finished the 7-kilometer trail at the end, I was waiting there for my colleagues to slowly come back, uh, come to the end point. Then one of them came up to me you know, and said, Louis, where is your car key? Wow, stunned. Immediately, I touched my side pocket, and my car key was not there. I must have dropped it during my run. Immediately, I started to have flashbacks of the 7 kilometer trail. You know, and how I need to walk back 7 kilometers of Maritree Trail to look for my car key. Wow. I don't know about you, but maybe you're more spiritual than me. I started to worry. And I also asked God, please help me. After a while, one of my colleagues came up to me and said, don't worry, later someone will pass you your khaki. Oh, immediately, I felt such a great relief because I know that my khaki was found. When my colleague later passed me my khaki, he recounted what happened, and in summary, a passerby found my khaki on the trail, passed it to my colleague, and my colleague passed back to me. But when I thought about it, wow, I think it was, no, it is a miracle of God. You know. Firstly, 
Nobody walks a seven-kilometer Maritree Trail looking down and looking for khaki. God, anybody here? You do that one, put out hand. Huh? A normal person would be walking the trail looking at butterfly, insect, heat mosquito, I don't know, look at trees. Nobody will look for khaki. So one in a million chance found khaki. Secondly, in case you have not been to Maritree for a long time, Nothing much has changed. The trail is still a trail of dirt with stones and dead leaves. Even if you are looking for a car key, it's almost impossible to find one because it will be like camouflage in the trail, right? Camouflage. My car key not so big. Oh. It's not there anymore. Okay. Another one in a million chance to find my car key. Thirdly, not everyone who sees a khaki, even if you happen to see a khaki, will pick it up. Right? Some will like, oh yeah, never mind. Some will like, maybe pick up. Depending on whether you think the owner will be able to come back and find it when he comes back, right? So, 50-50 chance. Fourthly, the person who picked up my khaki happened to approach my group to check if anyone has dropped a khaki. Right, you don't pick up khaki and then you go to every group and you got lost now, got lost now, got lost now. People will call police, really. Right? Something wrong with this guy walking the Maritime Trail. I don't think that the kind person will approach every group to ask if anyone has dropped a khaki because it will look quite silly. So for the person to approach Jun Jun, my group, is another one in a million chance to me. Number five. Because I was only recently posted to my workplace, uh, a few months only, so I don't know everybody that was walking, even though they are from my workplace. I only know my team, uh, right? And the kind person actually approached a person from my team. You know, he was a person in the same team as me when he was approached by that kind person. So when he was approached by the stranger about the car key, he saw the car key was a Nissan car one. I'm not promoting Nissan. Ah. Okay, so if I qualify first on record. Ah. Okay. Then he said, oh, my boss drives Nissan car. Then my car key has a miniature policeman Lego. Ah. Stick to it. Ah. Okay, obsessed ah, or whatever. And he said, ah, oh, my boss policeman. <laughs> then behind my car key, I paste my sticker of my name, Louis Lok. But very faint, went ah. very faint. But he, see, 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 he said, Look like Louis Lok. It is my boss, Kaki. So when my colleague passed me the Kaki and related the whole account to me, the probability of me finding back the Kaki, if you've been through probability maths in uh, secondary school, uh, should be, uh, it's like one in a million of a million of a million of a million chance. Uh, everything must work together that I know that it can only be a work of God that has allowed me to find my Kaki back. So when I related back to what the scholar had said about the book of Israel, uh, book of Esther, I understood what he meant when he said about God's fingerprints being so evident in a series of coincidental events, such that even when there is no mention of God, it was so obvious that God was at work. Oh, I understand. So God had worked a miracle in my situation that day, although the sun did not stand still that day, but it was a sun standstill encounter for me. Glory to God. 
I share this testimony to encourage us that as long as we know that God is Lord over our lives, Lord over our situations, we can trust that He will work actively in our lives and situations. Maybe today you are here listening to me and you are searching for a purpose in your life. Or you are faced with a difficult situation in your family, your work, your health, and you listen to these testimonies and the scripture passage and you hope that God can do the same kind of miracles in your life. Then I want to encourage you to respond to God by getting on God's side, by acknowledging that God is Lord over your life, Lord over that situation that you are praying for. The second principle to allowing God to work actively in our lives is we need to have faith and trust in God. Joshua's victory at Gibeon is also an account of having faith and trusting God every step and phase of the battle, from preparation to actual battle to post-battle. Pastor Anthony in his sermon last week shared with us that having faith is to trust God through obedience and perseverance. You can go to the church website to listen more if you want to learn. I want to encourage us that another aspect of having faith and trusting God is also to understand that God's timing is perfect. Sometimes it may seem delayed, but God's timing is always perfect. The story of Lazarus in John 11 shows that God's timing is perfect. Mary and Martha asked Jesus to come to their home and heal their very sick brother. But Jesus delayed in his arrival. Jesus only arrived at Mary's and Martha's home after Lazarus was dead for four days. In today's context, if Jesus arrived after four days, story end ready. Confirm, chop, and guarantee. But we must remember that God's timing is always perfect. And in that account we read, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Although the sun did not stand still that day, I'm sure it was a sun stand still encounter for Mary and Martha. And everyone who was there at the funeral, Lazarus' funeral, will be amazed. Recently, besides playing badminton actively, I also started to jog more regularly. And to be honest, I really don't like jogging. So don't ever tell me jogging. Huh? But in order to keep fit, I try my best to keep a regular jogging routine. Huh? Many a times I wanted to give up, but God never fails to send me encouragement to people around me to encourage me to keep up my jogging routine. Quite a number of times, I will have people in church or at office, and uh, this morning included, who would come up to me and encourage me that, hey, wow, Louis, you look better, uh, you look fitter, uh, keep it up. And this gave me encouragement to go on. Even better encouragement, I sometimes will have people coming up to me when I'm jogging at Bishan Park and say hi to me, encourage me to keep it up, and one or two of them will sometimes even jog with me the distance. But the best encouragement from God I will never forget was one day when I was jogging to Bishan Park, I was about to cross a zebra crossing, and then one SBS bus just came across me and then stopped. And then when I looked inside the SBS bus, one uncle just smiled at me and said, Wow! I was stunned, uh, totally stunned, and then the bus then just went off. I couldn't believe my eyes, you know. Not see ghosts, uh. no, uh, no. 
I was very sure what I saw. Hey, wow, the uncle just... Like that. I mean, who would show thumbs up to a stranger from a bus? Anybody? No. To me, that was God's perfect encouragement to me to keep up my jogging routine. God's timing is always perfect. In this, we can always have faith and trust in Him. The third principle to allowing God to work actively in our lives is we need to have faith and ask God. Verse 12 tells us that Joshua had the faith to ask God for something totally out of the box. Sun, stand. Amen. Some of us may wonder what made Joshua ask this. He knew that God was on his side. His job was to have faith and trust in God. And he probably also understood Ephesians 3, 20 and 21, which says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory. Joshua just asked, and God worked a miracle right before his eyes. Son, stand still. For some of us who still can remember our science lessons in secondary school, we will be quick to note that science tells us that the sun does not move around the earth causing day and night. But rather, it is the earth that revolves around the sun. Correct or not? For study, or not? Yeah. Secondary school, for study, yeah? To help all the budding biblical scholars in our midst, this is also partly because Scripture speaks or is usually written in the language of appearance or the language of observation. So the language that Joshua uses in addressing the sun and the moon to stop is the language of ordinary observation from his point of view. We must remember that the Bible is not meant to be a science textbook. But it is more important to note that God did not correct Joshua's astronomical ignorance. God did not rebuke Joshua and say, How ignorant are you mortals? Don't you know that it is the earth that moves and not the sun? Because of your factually wrong prayer request, I will not answer your prayers. Whoa, cannot be. God is good and a loving Father. As long as we have faith and we ask, God is more likely to honour the spirit of our request than to focus on our ignorance or wrong facts. I don't know about you, but this point is particularly impactful to me even as I was preparing this sermon today because it transformed the way I approach prayer. A lot of times when I pray, especially when praying for the sick, I often wonder when I, whether I'm praying correctly or even worry that God will not work or will not answer my prayers. But today's scripture encourages us that we just need to do our part in having faith and to ask of God and we can trust God to do His part in answering. Be it immediately, be it in His perfect timing, or even though, because it may not be part of His larger will. So as I conclude the time of reflection this morning, let us recap on the three principles of how we can allow God to work actively in our lives. 
The first principle to allowing God to work actively in our life, lives is we need to get on God's side. And that means we need to acknowledge God as Lord over our lives. We need to acknowledge that God, God is Lord over our situations and we want Him to work actively in. Second principle, we need to have faith and trust in God. That means to trust God through obedience and perseverance as Pastor Anthony has taught us last week. And also to understand that God's timing is perfect. Finally, the third principle is we need to have faith and ask God. That means we just need to do our part in having faith and to ask God to work actively in our lives and situations and we trust God to do His part in answering. Amen. So many, how many of us want God to work actively in our lives today? How many of us here this morning and back in church has situations in our lives, family, work or health that we want God to work a miracle in? Over the Easter weekend, last week, I received this WhatsApp message. For those of you who can't really see or read this more, basically is simulating uh, Jesus having a WhatsApp group with his 12 disciples. Modern, huh? modern, okay? And then Jesus asked in the WhatsApp group, one of you will betray me. And then Peter in the WhatsApp group says, not me, Lord. Who, huh? Then Judas exit the group. Okay, this is meant to be a joke, huh? so don't take it too serious. Don't email me theologically wrong and all these things, huh? okay? Okay, joke only, huh? joke only. Relax, huh? relax, okay? Relax. But what it spoke to me about is that whenever God speaks, we can either respond positively or we can withdraw. And it is my prayer this morning that if you feel that God is speaking to you, you sense that God wants to touch your life, to, it's for you to make Him God over it. Or you feel that God is speaking to your situations, to have faith and trust in Him, to have faith, to ask Him to work a miracle, to turn things around for the better. It's for you to respond to Him and not withdraw. So I'd like to encourage us to respond to Him as we move into a time of prayer and response. Let us pray. So I just give us a few moments to allow what we have heard to sing in our hearts. To think about what I've shared from the Word of God. That if this morning you do not know God. Maybe some of us in this place do not know God or have backslided for a long time. And you say that today, God, I want to come back to you. I want to make you Lord over my life or my situations. I want to encourage you to respond to Him. For some of us who may have situations in our lives and we desire that God works actively or works a miracle or work a sun stand still moment, or miracle in that situation, I want to also encourage you to commit it to the Lord and to ask Him to work that miracle, to turn things around. So just give us a few moments to respond to the Lord and I'll close us in prayer.
So Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this time this morning. And I pray for everyone that is here, everyone that is responding to your word, for those who are surrendering their lives to you, for those who want to make you Lord over their lives, I pray that God, you will hear their prayers and you will speak to them and work in their lives. For those of us who are surrendering situations or issues or life's obstacles to you, asking for you to work a miracle or turn things around for the better, I pray that God, you will hear their prayers and you will help them and be with them in their situations. For we know that you are here and you hear all our prayers as we respond to you. So we want to just thank you, Lord, for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.